Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Global Threat Report, sponsored by Global Threat uh, Solutions, the 100% military veteran-owned security and investigations firm. Global headquarters are right here on Long Island in Suffolk County. Also offices in New York City, Miami, L.A., overseas in Germany. That's right, Frankfurt and Mumbai. And of course, the uh, CEO and the captain his company, Kim Bombay, with over 21 years of law enforcement intelligence experience. Uh, serving as a military intelligence officer in the Middle East, the company provides just so much, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as far as uh, services are concerned. Check it all out for peace of mind in uncertain times. Uh, go to that website. That's globalthreatsolutions.com. And, the, uh, and, of course, his uh, great show will preview his show, uh, The Captain's Brief. On Saturday mornings at 11, right here on LA News Radio. It's a tremendous show. As we welcome in the captain. Uh, captain, it's great having you this morning. There's so much going on, my goodness. You know, when you think you get a break in the action somewhere, that's the case. What a week between what's uh, going on up in Maine. We'll get to that in a couple. I want to start out in the Middle East, though, uh, because there were some developments uh, that happened overnight where the U.S., uh, Captain, carried out airstrikes targeting uh, two facilities linked to Iranian-backed militias in Syria. You had a series of attacks against the U.S. forces in the region, 19 in all type of attack, 19 attacks, folks. I'd say it's about time uh, of retaliation, uh, Captain, as far as the U.S. of A. is concerned here. Good morning. Go ahead, my friend. Morning, Jay. Yeah, that's right. So the Biden administration launched very narrow strikes against two targets in Syria that were directly linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard, these proxy groups. Um, a key point in this attack is that Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin made it very clear these are only in relation to the attacks on U.S. troops and assets in the region and has nothing to do with the conflict in Israel. And he's obviously doing this in an attempt to, to prevent any further escalation to a larger conflict in the region. But what we had is two U.S. fighter jets, F-16s, launched airstrikes early Friday, two locations in eastern Syria, and both of those locations were linked to a Revolutionary Guard Corps. That's, uh, that's an Iranian unit specifically. Um, and this is not in retaliation for this, like you just mentioned, this slew of drone and missile attacks against U.S. bases and personnel over there and they had a munitions depot and uh, other equipment that they were targeting to try and prevent future attacks and send a message um i think this is a good start i would have liked to have seen a broader uh, uh even further uh, strikes yesterday when they did this i guess we're going to see what type of retaliation we have at this point but i'll say this jay i don't think this is going to be the last of it i don't think this is going to uh, at least immediately prevent any further attacks on U.S. assets in the region. Yeah, I mean, this administration has carried out strikes against militias before, but uh, at a time, obviously, you got the tensions going on right now in the Middle East. Uh, you know, it's about sending a message, uh, Captain, a strong one, uh, and that to uh, Iran and uh, the militias, not to escalate their attacks and spark a wider conflict. And you got about 900 U.S. troops deployed or deploy to the Middle East to kind of bolster the protection in the region. That's in addition, by the way, to U.S. troops already in Iraq and Syria. It's about 2,500 or so, uh, and about 900, respectively. So the beat goes on, but really, you know, to me, after what I saw yesterday at that United Nations special session, where you had that foreign minister out of Iran come into our country, come into our city, 
and basically tell the United States to be careful. Can you imagine this? Could you imagine this? Yeah. I mean, what you talk about a moment in time. I'm sorry. With with all that's going on, and if we did not do what we did last night, you would really be wondering what in the heck this administration is doing. But that foreign minister, what he said, Captain, and that was appalling. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. And we we were just talking yesterday about basically, you know, how, how useless the U.N. is anyway. They really bring nothing to the table. Um, we spend so much money on this organization and we give people, you know, uh, a platform like we saw yesterday to say things like this. I think our response should have been really, really forceful on that. And it, it, it still amazes me, Jay, that at this point now, we have not launched massive economic sanctions we're still buying oil from them i, I think it's like uh, uh, over a billion dollar a few billion three billion a week or something we're, we're purchasing oil. it's insane right now why what is it what is the obstacle why are we not doing the exact same set of really intense economic sanctions that we have on russia that that on iran i'm not sure why it's the largest state sponsor of terror they they chant they want death to the u.s they you saw what that what what they said yesterday at the UN, I'm not sure what the obstacle is to completely targeting our, they're literally targeting our troops in the Middle East 19 times. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I don't understand. If there, is there something we're missing on this? You know, because they, they're the greatest right now in this week, next week, this month, it's the greatest threat we've faced. They're actively attacking our troops and assets right now. Why are we not taking stronger steps? Exactly. Even even yesterday, Jay, when they were when Lloyd Austin is so careful about explaining why, and these are such narrow strikes. Why are we so afraid? We you know if 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 they use a knife, we should use a gun. We should always be escalated ten times. If they're going to strike us, they need to pay for that very quickly. You know that's what they call deterrence, and we're not doing that. I'm not sure why. Yeah, listen, Iran needs to be dealt with. In a proper fashion. Uh, if you didn't understand what I was saying before, folks, where you had a session of the UN yesterday, the foreign minister of Iran, uh, Hussein Amir Abdullahan, in an address, uh, pretty much stated that America will not be spared from this fire. That's what he said, a quote, if the fighting isn't halted uh, over there. Uh, you know what? That right then and there, right then and there, you know, you, you put out a message right then and there. I mean, this is ridiculous. The Minister of Foreign Affairs for the Islamic Republic of Iran, this is a guy. He called for the the genocide and forced displacement of the people of Gaza to stop urgent wider humanitarian aid to be delivered to the territory. I mean, this guy, you know, comes across as a uh, humanitarian in himself. I mean, my goodness. I, I mean, it's hard to take. It really is. I mean, it really is hard to take. You know, Iran should be blotted off the map for all that they've done. This deal accentuates even more of a lack of a mindset on our end uh, to resuscitate a deal uh, with a country whose only mission in life is to kill uh, and to control that area of the world. I mean, that's it at, at all costs. That's what it is. That's what Iran has always been about. And to resuscitate a deal and not 
sanction and not, I don't want to hear from John Kirby anymore about 400 sanctions. I don't want to hear it because you are still allowing them a revenue stream based on their oil production. And I'll tell you, Cap, one should have been sent last night right to their factory, their fields, because this is the very heart of the problem. You allow them this stream of revenue to continue their havoc into that area. We know the deal. They have funded these groups. These groups have been spawned off of this country of Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah. They are situations, organizations spawned, terrorist organizations. You really want to send a message, you're right into their, their oil fields. That's how you send the message. Yeah, but, we're, we're allowing we're allowing their these actions to be funded. We are funding the attacks on our own troops. And I'll tell you, in the broader spectrum right now, looking at everything that's going on, all you hear, it took one week, two weeks tops, all you hear about, all you read about is genocide being committed by Israel. And this is on legitimate media outlets. It's insane that this is what's going on. You're seeing what's happening on the campus. There was one college campus. Yesterday a report came out that the there was a um, anti-Israel protest, and they had Jewish students trapped in the library. The people in the library literally were telling the students to hide in the attic as they were trying to get in. This is insane. This, I mean, you cannot hear that and say that's not reminiscent of Nazis, what, that type of behavior right now. And it's, all these people, all, if you go look at the CNN site right now, all of the stories, you have to scroll pretty far down to read anything other than the, the atrocities being committed by Israel right now and humanitarian aid. That's what it's all focused on, is humanitarian aid for the poor people of Gaza. I feel for those people. But uh, we're, we're going to sleep on October 7th? Did they not see that part of this conflict? This is why you don't go into neighboring countries and, and rip babies out of women and gouge eyes out and cut limbs off and rape people and murder people. That's why you don't do it, because when you do that, they're going to retaliate like Israel is right now and they're going to do it because they have to protect their people. It's like everybody missed that part of the conflict. And I understand they want to get humanitarian aid in there. Yeah. But there's other considerations, and they are. You know, you cannot trust all these stats we're hearing, all the reports. They're coming from Hamas. So none of that could be taken with any credibility, Jack. No, none of it. Uh, I do know they, they upped the number of hostages. I think it's 233. I think I might be off by a few. Uh, there are some Mer- Americans in there. We still don't know how many exactly. Uh, we know 33 have been killed. Our, our American people have been killed. We know that there are hundreds that have been displaced. Americans trying to get out there. I mean, it's an absolute mess. Uh, but you're right. You know, with Hamas, you can't trust them. They want the fuel. There was word out that maybe you can have an exchange with the fuel being delivered there. We know what they want the fuel for. Uh, they don't care about the people over there. They don't. They want the fuel for their own purposes uh, in exchange for a good portion of the hostages, maybe 200. That's a report. But, you know, if you're the IDF right now, I mean, it's full scale ahead. Uh, you got to wipe out this group. You must eradicate Hamas. It's not only about the eradication of the individuals, Captain. It's the core, the root, making sure they do not rear their ugly vermin heads ever again and that's what it's all about right now this idf knows what it's doing okay 
and eventually we will see this ground invasion take place. And we will see the annihilation of Hamas. We absolutely will see it. Yeah, it's coming. And there's reports out now that the families of the hostages said their patience has run out. They're telling the Israeli government they want action taken. Now, they want them to go in. Because, if they, let's face it, they released four hostages out of uh, two over 230 <clears throat> probably right now. They're not. They have no more patience to wait and let them trickle out with one or two here and there, just so that they can try and hold the IDF at bay. It's not going to happen. Even the families of the hostages want them to go in right now and at least try and rescue those people and take that chance right now because that's their only hope. There's no way that they're going to release all of these hostages or even the majority of them because that's their defense right now. They're going to use them throughout Gaza. They're going to have them strategically placed. But Israel's good. Their intelligence is really robust, and they're going to try and target. They are getting information from people within Gaza, and they're going to try and target where those hostages are, and they're going to do some daring raids. And, and hopefully that's in conjunction with some of the 900 uh, military troops that we're sending to the region and some of our special operations forces, too. Yep, no question about it. The captain with us, the Global Threat Report. Cap, a couple of minutes remain. Let's concentrate on the uh, the killer who is still on the loose in this uh, Robert Card. And, you know, I spoke about it earlier on the show regarding uh, the situation involved with this alleged killer who spent time in a mental hospital in July for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then fast forward to where we're on now, and he gets access to uh, deadly weapons and, you know, everybody's attacking the the amendment as far as right to arms and everything else in this country. But really, you know, it's about the system once again has failed to act, has failed to uh, embrace as far as how we need to handle individuals who have massive disorders, as in the case of Robert Carr. How this has slipped through the cracks again. Uh, is is unbelievable. You know, you go back 25 years, we didn't have this prior to Columbine. We didn't have all this. Think about it, Cap, April 99. We didn't have any of this stuff. Okay? Look what has transpired over the 24 years or so. Uh, it is a mess. And it's all about the fact that we have individuals in this country who have grievances and then take it to another level. And for somehow, we cannot constrict these situations and take care of these type of situations that we need to. And this guy caught is a prime example, a prime example, Cap, of slipping through the of slipping through the cracks here. Go ahead. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so it's interesting. This is the argument that comes up every time one of these, these horrific incidents takes place. And Maine specifically had some pretty unique gun laws. It's either if you're 21 years old, are older, you do not need a permit to have concealed or open carry weapons. And I think there's a, a clause in there that if you're military or reserve military, you could even do that at 18. So with that being said, the big thing is they also have what they call a yellow flag law, not a red flag law. And the difference being that the yellow flag law, only law enforcement can initiate a process to remove your Second Amendment rights due to some type of concern of you having weapons not just the public in general or somebody that knows you or your family. They can't do that. And, you know, I think a lot about this, Jay. I am a supporter of the Second Amendment, but I realize there's huge problems here. And I'm always 
in support of common sense controls to make sure that these things don't happen. But you could see the concerns too, right? If anybody can make referrals to remove your Second Amendment rights, you're going to have these Second Amendment opposition groups doing it basically wholesale against everybody trying to remove firearms. There's things they're trying to guard against to protect people's Second Amendment rights. So I think it's going to be a combination. We definitely need some type of a red flag law in here where if someone's showing signs like this, and not only that, even states that have them, you have to act on those. You have to act quickly on those uh, laws and make sure these people don't have weapons. And, and how do you do that? And by the way, that's easier said than done, too. I've had to go into houses and take weapons from people related to domestics or threats or, or somebody's going in and being a, a involuntary committal for psych evaluation. I've had to do that. Um, but it's not that easy. Okay, so I go into someone's house and I say, are there weapons in here? And they say, no. Okay, you could only search as much as you could search. That's pretty much it. You know, someone could conceal weapons. You wouldn't even know they had them. And the bigger argument is what you were saying. It's people. It really is a people problem. I'm not saying there doesn't need to be more strict laws in some cases. Right. But this is a people problem, Jay. This is people. 100%. You know, we, have, we have over 400 million guns. If you have tougher, if you ban assault rifles tomorrow, guess what? People are still murdering people with assault yeah. rifles. And they're going to do that for decades and decades. We have more guns than human beings. That's not going to be the answer. So I think it's going to be a common ground. They, we need maybe a national policy to prevent people like this from getting guns. That's where the answer is. It's easier said than done, but that's where the answer is, is preventing guys like this from getting guns, not everybody. Cap, it comes down to these states. I mean, they got to be vigilant. They must, must intervene. They have to. And you do that by making sure that an ill person from a mental standpoint not only gets the treatment they need and keeping them completely isolated from any type of weaponry. I mean, you know, listen, it is not rocket science here, folks. This happens all of the time. All of the time. I I saw a great interview today with the mother who lost her six-year-old at Newtown. Okay? The Connecticut... 20, what, 26 people killed there, Cap? And, you know, she yeah. said it right up. I mean, just brilliantly stated. Those who commit these types of acts have grievances. And then it escalates into another yeah. form. Into another form. Okay? And a lot of these times, they are seen, they are caught, they are analyzed. But then what happens? gets through it slips through the cracks this happens over and over and over again you and i speak about this all the time i mean go back to uvalde for crying out loud where that individual that individual had issues massive issues thrown out of his house into the grandmother's house took the truck out that morning and look what occurred you know, so many, right. so many times these things can be halted. My goodness. When well, are we ever well, going to learn? Could, you know, it's, I, it's exactly. I used, I used to teach. Uh, I used to go around and train people in active shooter response as a detective. And I, I could tell you that every single time there are signs 
these people have signs they're going to do this. There's always evidence that they're going to conduct. They, there's a, there are potential threat for an act like this. Every single time they have some type of <sighs> hell that's out there. And what they do is they collect grievances, not always legitimate, but in their mind, grievances right. are they were wronged, injustices, and ultimately they snap and take action like this. And you mentioned Uvalde. It's a great example. Like I said, I'm pro-Second Amendment. I'm also pro-common-sense regulation. Should you have a, be able to get an assault rifle at 18? I'm not so sure about that. You know, in this generation, I was 18. I was serving in an infantry unit in Germany. You know, Nowadays, I'm just not so sure 18-year-olds should be able to get an assault rifle. I think that maybe common-sense regulations like that make it 21 and have a little bit more, uh, tougher restrictions, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Captain's Brief. Uh, it is, uh, I tell you, it's just a brilliant show uh, that you host on Saturday mornings here on the station uh, at 11 o'clock. Uh, just, you know, each and every week, folks. I mean, if you haven't heard it, you know, go on, go on to the website. And check out these past shows. With again, he's had great guests: Steve Israel, General Petraeus. I mean, these are the types of guests. Uh, and who do we got tomorrow, my friend? So I'm still waiting to confirm. So I don't want to announce tomorrow's guest, but I can tell you the following week we're going to have uh, Brookhaven Town Supervisor and County Executive Candidate Ed Romaine's going to be on as our guest, and we're looking forward to that. We want to hear some of his views on policies and. Suffolk County specifically, as you know, the captain's brief, we're going to want to talk about law enforcement and the support for law enforcement and some of the challenges that he sees if he becomes county executive. There you go. Guy with uh, decades and decades and decades of experience uh, trying to lead the charge as far as being the next county executive. Early voting, by the way, cap starts tomorrow, okay? Get out and vote. Most important local election right now in play that I can remember. Okay, I'm doing this a long time. This is the most important one. Uh, check out the captain's show tomorrow. The captain's brief. Uh, 11, 11, 30 right here on LA News Radio. Cap, uh, have a fantastic uh, show, a fantastic weekend. You and I, I'm sure, will chat. Definitely. Thanks, Jay.